Hi there, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat Risk Consulting. You're listening to Quick Hits, a short podcast about eh, usually all things terrorism. Today I have a treat for you. Normally on Quick Hits Podcast, you just hear me droning on and on and on about my experiences and my thoughts on terrorism. But I thought I'd bring back a guest from an earlier podcast, an earlier longer podcast in the Intelligent Look at Terrorism series to look at a current issue. So I brought back Mubin Sheikh, who many of you know, he was a former agent of the RCMP and CSIS in the the Toronto 18 terrorism case in the mid-2000s. He's since gone on to an international career in talking about all things terrorism. And I brought him back to talk about the Canadian who claimed to be with ISIS, who apparently lied about it, and has now been charged with a terrorism hoax. So Mubin, thanks for joining me. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me again. So walk us through. I understand from what I've seen before that you had some dealings with this guy from Burlington, Ontario, who, of course, made quite the news a couple of years ago in a series of interviews with The New York Times, Rukmiti Kalamachi. What was your dealings with this, this guy, Abu Huzaifa, who claimed to be an ISIS executioner? Yeah, what a wild story. Um, in 2016, I get a call from Rukmini Kalamachi saying, hey, Mubin. I've just interviewed an ISIS member who lives maybe 30 minutes away from your house. I was, of course, shocked beyond belief. And so I, of course, inquired a bit more. And she told me that, listen, don't tell anybody yet. But I'm, I'm you know, recording this interview with this guy. It's going to come out, you know, when it comes out. But in the meantime, I think he really needs your help. Okay. And, the, and, and what she understood that to mean was, I could bring to bear my experiences, my competencies, and try to help this guy. She legitimately thought that this guy was, you know, he needed help, whatever that was. Because in the discussions that he had with her, so she discovers his email, she emails him, he takes a little while, emails her back, she says, listen, I want to interview you. He takes a little while, interviews her back actually shows up late to the interview. So, I mean, if there's some poor work ethic from this guy, there it starts here. Um, and and then she does the interview with him. And then so, of course, afterwards, she calls me and I start to get involved. Now, she gave me his number um, and I, I gave her my number to share to him. Uh, I, I contacted him. We got in touch with each other. We started meeting. Now, I go into this, you know, I have to be very professional. Yes, I'm, you know, I have had experiences with, you know, thesis in the RCMP, but I'm not an agent, right? I am a practitioner. I'm a professional. So I can't go into this thinking, you know, oh, you know, you know, what's he doing or this or that. I, I just took it with an open mind. I assumed the story was true. I, number one, thought to myself, okay, I need to engage with him in such a way to, number one, determine, is this guy a threat? And number two, to help him with whatever issues he may have had, and so that's how I started when, when off. When you talk about when you talk about helping him, what what do you mean by that? So, are you talking about you know uh, helping him reintegrate into Canadian society? Yeah, I should have clarified that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Go yeah, ahead. Not helping him be ISIS, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> I didn't think that was the case. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was it was to attempt a de-radicalization intervention. That was the point. It was to, you know, do counseling or engage in some kind of, you know, the counseling approach to see that, well, where are there PTSD issues with this guy? Did he actually go there? And, you know, and I told him from the beginning, don't admit any crimes to me, okay? Because I did not want to be implicated in any subsequent court prosecution. 
because God knows I've been there and done that. Okay. And, um, and, and I just didn't want to be involved at that level. Okay. So I said, though, don't admit any crimes. Let's just discuss, you know, what you went through or what you felt. And this was just uh, really a, a way to, to gauge where this guy was because the way he would respond to things, the, the, the subjects he would decide to want to talk more about, you know, showed that he had more, he had, uh, you know, uh, he was invested in these topics over other topics. So there were, there were many things that I did in order to try to understand his mindset okay, and what was going on. So, right, because if you because if because if you got involved in him confessing crimes and you elected not to share those with the oh, RCMP yeah. or whatever, you could have been a deep shit because oh, yeah. they would have said, "Well, you talked to this guy, you heard that he did X, Y, or Z. These are crimes under the criminal code. You didn't report them, so you could almost be accused of of oh, harboring a fugitive in that way." Then, right, right, um, and and again, I knew right from the outset that. It's best for me to do that because I'm not going to get into that. All that prosecutorial stuff that I wanted to leave with the agency. That's their job. Let them do it. I'm not the investigator. I'm not right. the journalist. My job is not to verify the story, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I just went into this with an open mind. I said, let me talk to him. Let me see where his mindset is at. At least if I could have a relationship with him and establish some kind of rapport with him, then I could influence him. In, you know, in his future activities and, and so on. So I went into this very nicely, you know, thinking this way, but, but my time, you know, operationally told me that you need to be very suspicious. You need to be very cautious. Right. So my spidey sense was, was constantly on saying that, hmm, you know what, is this, and it was an option. We thought, you know, I thought, is this guy just totally making this all up? Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, is this guy actually downplaying what he's done? Because that is the more common, you know, hoax that ISIS members do. They downplay their involvement. They don't pipe up their involvement. So, well, of course are... not, because because they're afraid at some point if yeah. they brag to the rest of the world on social media, I killed so-and-so, I did so-and-so. That's pretty damning evidence in a, in, a, in a prosecution then. Yeah, you would think, because what happened after he did that? We said, well, sorry, his confession alone is not enough. And if anything, this, in fact, sent a message to ISIS members saying that, hey, look at this guy here claiming that he's getting away, getting off. You know, the courts are not able to prosecute him, even if and assuming let's OK, his story is totally false. The ISIS members at least look at that and say, how can we learn from this? How can we? Because there are many cases where individuals have gone, not obviously admitting to their crimes, but denying the crimes, right? There was mm -hmm. this, uh, you know, Starfo guy in Germany. Remember, he, right. he claimed, you know, he claimed he was de-radicalized and he, he, well, you know, he played along. And then more evidence came out that this guy was putting bullets in the backs of people's heads. Exactly. You know, so, so, it, so anyways, you know, as I, I spoke to him more, I could see or at least he was showing that he had symptoms of PTSD. He was mm -hmm. claiming tremors, night sweats, nightmares. Um, in fact, in front of me, he would uh, show tremors. So if I was discussing a particular topic, asking him, well, you know, what about this? And what about that? And how did you feel? You know, and what do you think you should? And this guy's leg is just shaking away. In one case, he was supposedly re re reclaim or uh, recounting the looks on the children's faces when he would go on his police patrol and he started crying 
And so I said to myself, wow, this is like, look at the physiological reactions this guy's having. This is real. Mm -hmm. Now, in hindsight, when you think back that, my God, if this guy is in fact making it all up, it's some twisted cry for attention and the lies have just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and taken on a life of their own. This is all psychosomatic, in fact. Mm -hmm. So how long, uh, how many times or over what length of period did you actually meet with this guy, Mubin? Yeah, so here's the thing. I at least, I talked to him or at least physically met with him at least once a week for about a year. Wow. Okay, that's, yeah. That, that's, that's long. That is long. That is long. And in fact, this is the thing. You have to take this long-term approach. That is very long. And not just that, the fact that after the the podcast came out in 2018, finally, and all this stuff was exposed, and I confronted him, he immediately dropped the facade, totally became angry with me, devolved into the usual stuff that I've heard before. You're a hypocrite. You're a sellout. You're not even a Muslim. You're this, and just and I just thought to myself, wow, this guy played along for a year, pretending that yeah, I'm listening to this guy. I'm you know, and suddenly the facade dropped and pulled a complete 180 instantaneously. So that told me that it was all an act when he was talking with me, claiming that he was this, that. I, again, I couldn't know the details of the story, but at least I knew that there was an act of some kind being put on. And as soon as that happened, we, we fell apart. It, it was, became very acrimonious, uh, very acrimonious. There were messages sent back and forth between us. And whether it was in his anger or his stupidity or a combination of both, Let's just say those messages were turned over to the RCMP because they were openly talking about him knowing that his thing was creating his presence, his interviews were creating fear in the Canadian public. And he knew by discussing this stuff it, that it was going to spread and he was enjoying it. So, so all the legalities around what they have and how they can approve this and they prove that, they have more than they obviously admit right because of course when the story broke a lot of canadians were very angry why isn't this guy in jail why hasn't he been arrested here's a guy who admitted to killing people in cold blood in the name of a heinous terrorist group of isis and the canadian government is doing nothing about it in parliament the conservatives took the trudeau liberals to task why are you sitting on your hands fast forward and you know a week and a half ago we learned that the rcmp has actually laid a charge of not terrorism but but terrorism hoax now some people are are you know saying well the RCMP uh, lost interest or they didn't do their investigation properly or they couldn't organize a piss up in a bar and they're resorting to this as a sort of second best. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I don't, I don't share that view. I mean, I know, I know what you're talking about. Some people saying that well, this is just the RCMP, you know, charging him because he made them look like fools. Okay, but I mean, we know how we know how police or organizations in general work. No matter you know, in any Western country. Uh, you know, contrary to how we might like, it's not a magic wand. You know, it, it takes time. Like you have to be thorough. You have to be very, very thorough. And so I, I understand that. Okay, fine. It, it took them this long. I mean, it's been two years since the podcast. Two years is actually, you know, not a not a, a lengthy, you know, investigation. Really, in my eyes, not anyway. at all. Not at all. Right. So I think what they've done, it's just, I think they did actually do their jobs properly in this case in that they just checked off the boxes. You know, it was trying to prove participation or travel. They, they did what they could. It, it takes time. 
um, they couldn't find it and there was nothing there to support that. And obviously what they saw was that this clown is still online, still claiming he's ISIS, bragging mm-hmm. how he got off, you know, saying all these things. And at some point, the RCMP has got to say, you know what? It's either true or it's not true. And if it's right. not Sh- true, then it's a hoax. And that's right. the target. Sh- Sh- should I get off the pot kind of thing? So moving moving forward, what do you think is going to happen in this case? So it's it's kind of lost a bit of its luster in the past week or so. It was big news when it hit. Uh, he will go to, to, to I believe he'll be go to trial. Uh, he has a court appearance in November, if I if I recall correctly. The penalty for terrorism hoax is only five years maximum. If if this if the RCMP succeeds, if the Crown succeeds in the prosecution, I think a lot of Canadians will say that's it. He gets five. He gets five years for leading us astray, costing us probably tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of dollars in investigative costs. What do you think is going to be the 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 ultimate when this whole thing comes to to an end? Where do we go from there? Yeah, good question. I mean, number one, I don't even think it's going to go to trial. I think they're going to he's going to plead guilty, and, and that'll be it, and the case will be over. And like you said, and where do we go with this? You know, like a complete waste of time and money. You know, scaring the Canadian public, raising the anxieties of Muslims and non alike. And he, there has to be some kind of punishment. And I'm I'm suspecting if because it seems like the I mean they they were trying to help him. And he you know what it just seems that he got so caught up in his his persona that you know he, he's just there's I don't know what he can do now because you know the the. Everybody has egg on their face in some sense, yeah. right? Um, like how do you and, walk back from this, right? Like how, how do you how do you undo what you've done over the past three or four you years? Can't, it's be pretty you, hard. You can't. Just can't. Yeah. so it's a lesson for the rest of Canadians because people got caught up in the distraction of Abu Huzaifa, okay, right. with this fake story. With because you know, there's the reality is is that we have at least two actual ISIS killers in custody in Syria. Both of mm-hmm. whom want to come back, Muhammad mm-hmm. Khalifa and and uh, uh, Ahmed Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean, yes, his story is a case, uh, is a hoax, but we have guys whose stories are not hoaxes, and the question is, what are we going to do about them in terms of prosecuting, prosecuting them, etc. Great, great, great questions. One last question, Mubin. Uh, what have you learned from this, and how does this going to affect a time in the future when someone asks you to weigh in? on a case of somebody who's come back from fighting with a terrorist group. Are you going to no, be reluctant you know, or are you going to jump at the chance? I will jump at the chance. I, You know what? I'm not uh, just looking back at this. It is a validation for me in one sense because, one, I went into it open-minded. I wasn't going to assume anything. Like I had to assume the story was true and just go on the basis of that. But what I really appreciated about you know my own, my own self is the, the spidey sense. That when when it starts going and when you're like, wait a second, when you take this approach, it just tells me more than ever that we need to be super cautious, super, super cautious when doing these assessments and especially when claiming that somebody is de-radicalized. Because as you and I both know, you know, it happens a lot more than often. And yeah. um, many times it's just it, it just turns out very, very bad. For everyone, well, exactly, so. and you know, Mubin, if anybody in Canada will know what the real McCoy looks like, it's you, given your involvement with the Toronto 18. So, listen, uh, thank you so much for for sharing your thoughts on this. I was really curious to see what 
because of your involvement, what your views were. I've seen some other views out there that I frankly disagree with, but I appreciate you taking the time, Mubin, and uh, joining me on this short podcast. Always a pleasure, Phil. Thank you. So that was my conversation with uh, with Mubin Sheikh uh, about Abu Huzaifa. What do you think? Have you read the stories in the Canadian media? What should be done with this guy? You can reach me on email, borealisrescuegmail.com, or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you want to see more material from Borealis, go to my website, borealisrescuegmail.com, hit the subscribe button, you get a free daily digest of all the material, blogs and podcasts, etc. Love to hear your feedback. Drop me a line. We'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.